Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Jason. And I'm Steve. Welcome to this week's episode of Dual Rambling. This week, we're going to take a look into Android Accessibility's new sound notifications. We're going to look at Ring's new in-home drones, and we're going to ask that question, are Roombas the beginning of the end? But before we get into that, uh, AMD has actually just uh, announced the specs of their new 6000 series cards. So as we've taken a look recently into some of NVIDIA's new offerings, we, we had to take a look. Uh, this has actually piqued my interest, and they're really making uh, a run for the money here. Have you uh, taken a look at any of that there, Steve? I have. And, uh, you know, kind of like NVIDIA, looks like they're coming out hitting with, you know, three cards to kind of match NVIDIA's big three. And it looks like, assuming that the preliminary information we're getting here is is going to be accurate, you know, time will tell. We'll have, we'll have to see when reviews hit. But based on, you know, the real quick numbers, uh, it looks like they're going to beat them on price. They're going to probably trade blows, if not even beat them a little bit on performance. And they're beating them, <laughs> crazy enough, they're going to beat them on power, supposedly. So I think... To me, if you're any kind of a baseball fan, that's one, two, three, baby. That's out of the park. You know, that's a grand slam. And you know, it's so. Here's the thing: uh, every PC I've ever had has always been Intel, and it makes sense. I mean, even from a game standpoint, they have been the leader since the jump. However, this might be the one time where AMD sits on top of the pack. So I'm curious to see once people actually get these in hands, and reviewers can deep dive, take them apart and see what's going on and get some good true benchmarks i'm definitely going i mean not like i have to hold off on buying a video card right now anyway because no one can find them i might just wait anyway just to see if i make the switch to amd yeah and i think uh i think you're not going to be alone on that one you know by any means i know a couple of the big youtube you know tech heads that that do a lot of the reviews uh, i've heard several of them say you know at this point our recommendation is to wait, you know, wait, 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 because it, it's not going to be very long. Um, I believe it is the middle of, uh, is it the begin middle of November? And I think the very beginning of December is when these are slated to come out. So assuming they don't have any, uh, you know, NVIDIA shipping issues, uh, there's a really, really strong chance that these will be, you know, taking the crown, especially if they can get them out the door. Although I will say, speaking of uh, NVIDIA shipping issues, the 3070 just had their launch. And I, I, I will say from the reports that I heard, it wasn't as much of a dumpster fire as the rest of them, but it wasn't much better. Uh, it looks like Best Buy was able to do pretty decently by putting out availability little bits at a time. So there were some people even an hour later that were still able to pick one up. Mind you, with that being said, they still everywhere basically sold out within an hour. Yeah. Most places within about a half hour. And is it really better? Like, even if they broke it up and you could get one now and you can get one later, to me, that's almost more frustrating because then instead of them even just being sold out right off the bat, you know, then you're almost stressing out because like, then you have to keep checking back every couple hours to see if they've cut loose another round. And at the end of the day, like, you know, if they, if they have 250,000 of these things to get rid of and that's it, whether they break it up over the course of two days or they just sell them all out in 20 minutes. To me, they're still only going to hit a certain number anyways, and it sounds like that number is just not big enough you know, for the general population. Well, from what I understand, a lot of that particular decision was to try to combat bots. Yeah. So that way, by, by only putting you know, 
X number every couple of minutes into the available. Basically, you sit there with the page and the button turns yellow as soon as that stock is replenished, that virtual stock. So from that aspect, I can at least see that seems to have been a success. How much of a success will you know remain to be seen, but it at least seems like more people who actually want one have a better chance of getting one in doing it this way. And you know, you can't you can't be upset by that. I will take some improvement over what happened off the bat. You know, I, I knocked it just a minute ago for them letting it go every couple hours, but when you put it in that context of keeping it essentially out of the hands of bots and scalpers, or at least to some degree, that's improvement and that's still worth noting. And that's, you know, golf clap kind of deal. Good job. Something's better than nothing. And I knew we weren't going to take necessarily a deep dive because there's not much to say that hasn't already been said with that launch. But what I will say is for our listeners at home, you know, keep an eye out because once we start getting some reviews in, I'm sure we're going to take another deeper dive into these 6,000 series cards from AMD. Uh, and I'm genuinely excited to to take a look at the actual benchmark comparisons. The, other, the only thing I do want to throw out there, if you're not aware currently, there are three tiers. It is going to be the 6800, 6800 XT, and the 6900 XT. Uh, and they're going to run you 579, 649, and 999, respectively. Uh, like I said, all of which are coming in under NVIDIA's pricing. So if you're really on a tight budget and you really want a brand new card, this is the one to keep your eyes out for. Might as well get a little bit of a better card than you would have at that same price point. Although, I got to say, well, we're talking about you know new things coming out. So I haven't seen uh, too much necessarily being put out about this new Android sound notification. But if I understand correctly, it's going to be a matter of uh, your Google Home devices, maybe even your phone too, but being able to pick up the sound of you know dogs barking or sirens, glass shattering, things like that, and be able to send a notification to your phone. I can see both sides of where that's a great idea and a horrible idea. What are your thoughts on that? So as far as the Google aspect of it, uh, I have really no... Uh, experience or anything with that because I'm just we're not Google people you know here at our house now uh, that being said uh, Alexa has had a feature like this for probably a year or so called guard and so if you tell Alexa if you say I'm leaving she'll say I'm guarding now and essentially it does a, a lot of at least on the on the the surface a lot of the same stuff you know it's listening for glass breaks it's listening for running water it's listening for sound of somebody essentially kicking in your door, you know, that sort of deal. And then again, she alerts you or depending on what you have, I believe it actually works with your ring alarm system as well. So if, if need be, it's able to actually contact the police, you know, if you have it set as such. I have not been willing to break one of my windows to test it, but what I can tell you is that it is, to the best of my knowledge, pretty effective um, because we turn it on from time to time when we leave. And I've never gotten any sort of a false positive or anything like that. If you want, if you Google it or if you look it up on like uh, YouTube or anything, uh, there are videos of people taking a piece of glass and breaking it and things like that. And it does typically trigger. I'm not saying this is a replacement for an alarm system, but I think it's an awfully nice, you know, addition to have. Um, so if, you know, if Google can integrate that in with a lot of the Nest products, you know, with thermostats, um, smoke alarms, you know, we have those, we have the Nest Protects. If it can integrate with all that, uh, it just makes it a little bit better. 
So now you said there's some good and some bad. I have some ideas, but what what are you thinking specifically as far as, you know, what are your highs and lows on that one? Overall, I can see a lot of good with that. Um, Because let's be real, things happen when you're not at home or you're asleep, you know, things like that. The ability to catch those and and set off some sort of an alarm for you, whether it's a notification to your phone or possibly in the event of sleeping, have it be able to like send an alarm to maybe Google Home that's in your house, maybe one in the bedroom to wake you up to say, hey, there's something going on. That sounds awesome. That sounds great. But I guarantee you, I can think a lot of people are going to have questions about when is it listening? Is it listening all the time? Or is it only listening when you set it to listen? And that I could see being a concern from a privacy aspect. I mean, I don't know how many times I'm sitting here at my desk and I've never used the keyword for Google. And next thing you know, I see it lighten up because it's listening. Is there a microphone button I could turn off? Yeah. But that also mildly defeats the purpose of trying to use it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And not like I deal with a whole lot of stuff that I'm worried about it you know, picking up, but... But there are people that are way more privacy conscious than probably what you and I are for a lot of this. Agreed. Now, again, I have to speak to the ring aspect of it, but I know that with some of these smart home assistants, they're always listening regardless. And what they're doing is they're only keeping the section essentially in theory that includes the trigger word kind of deal. So my understanding of this, at least again on the ring side, I would assume, you know, Google's is very similar, is that... When you go into this guard mode or when you go into this away mode or whatever it is, you know, the trigger for for the Google system, what it does is it listens all the time. But again, it only is going to keep recordings when it actually senses something that's a trigger. So in this case, it's listening specifically for the sound of glass or it's listening specifically for water or it's listening for X, Y and Z. So in theory, if you're just sitting there taking a nap on the couch and you're snoring away, that should not trigger this. So therefore, those recordings should not be flagged, marked, kept, however you want to look at it. It's only going to be when you actually hit a trigger. I would imagine, you know, that the Google system is going to be similar. And I imagine so too, which makes me wonder then if you can actually set specific triggers that you wanted to listen for. Like maybe I know I'm doing some work out in the yard that some glass will be breaking. You know what I mean? But I want it on for to hear my dog bark. So I wonder if you could set that only to listen for dog barks or, or only to, to trigger an alert on certain ones. Um, I would find that interesting, although kind of a very niche issue. But at the same time, I could see it being something that people kind of want. Sure. I don't know the ins and outs of that. And the only thing that I can personally think of that might be an issue with that sort of an issue or might be an issue with settings like that is unless there's some sort of a default, you know, at the end of the day, everything resets and goes back to normal. Because if if you toggle that off because you're working in the yard or you're doing something like that, and then the next day you set that thing, forgetting that you turned it off yesterday, and then something happens, you know, somebody comes and breaks your window, you know, and you're all up in arms, you know, because it didn't do what it was supposed to do. But really, it's your fault. That's fair. So if they have a, a, you know, an end of the day timeout or whatever it is, like I said, you, you know, you hit 1130 or 12 o'clock or whatever that night and everything just retrips and, you know, resets back to normal. Or maybe it's just snooze alerts for so long. OK, and I feel like that would be a relatively easy thing to implement anyway. It makes sense. I mean, what you're saying is absolutely correct. I would be the one to forget to do that. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're all human. <laughs> it's that's how it goes. You know, and and I was looking down through the article here, uh, it's from nine to five Google, and it was kind of discussing some of this. And it sounds like it sounds like I guess they're going to use some of the similar technology that like that the Google Buds had, where it will, you know, play a chime like via your Google Home, I guess. So it will it could alert you either on your phone via like the Google app or, you know, the different Google homes around the house. But it's not necessarily going to set off an alarm or it's not going to, you know, call the police or something, you know, at the drop of a hat, which probably is a good thing. I will say, though, that this whole thing really gets me wondering, too, uh, when it comes to the the home automation, the sound notifications, it's not the only thing that we're seeing that's new. Amazon's now looking at home drones. And again, we're going to have a bunch of people that are genuinely kind of worried about this. And to be clear, this isn't drones delivering things to your home. This is a small drone flying around your home. And they're pairing this where they're tying it in uh, like with security. So essentially, it's a flying security camera. It's ultimately, it looks like how they're pitching this. So it has like a little dock. And I will tell you, like, it's, it's a neat... I want to be real careful how I say this, I guess. It's a neat idea, I think, to some degree, but I have a drone and I will tell you those babies are not quiet. So (laughs) I can't I can't even imagine what this thing must sound like, you know, taken off in the middle of the day, the middle of the night, whatever it is on steroids, you know, at best. I mean, because it's it's got to fly and it, the top essentially looks like it's like a big square. And then underneath of it is just like a little rectangle kind of deal where the camera hangs. So the idea with this is that it's going to similarly work to kind of the features we were just talking about with both with Google and with the Alexa, where it's going to essentially map your house, which I'm assuming there's probably that's probably part of the setup is it flies around and figures out where things are. And it's going to store a map of your home, essentially. So my guess is so it doesn't have to kind of figure that out for each flight, but it's going to map the house. And then they're, they're a little unclear exactly as far as what's going to be the trigger here, whether it's something you tell it to go and look, or if it just, they did say that it, it can be set to where if it hears something, you know, whether it's something falling or a strange noise, or if you just want it to randomly kind of patrol around the house and just make sure everything's okay. That's kind of the idea. How is this going to work with pets? Dogs definitely need, you know, people to check up on them a lot more often, but cats are pretty, you know, self-sufficient. Doesn't mean you don't want to check up on them. So for something like that, I could see using it to check up on your cat. Then again, most cats will probably try to jump and knock it out of the air. That's what I was getting at. Not necessarily that you're checking up on your pets. I mean, I would imagine when this thing takes off, most pets are going to leave. Uh, probably in short order at that. But my thinking would be, you know, is that they're probably going to freak out and attack it. You know, I mean, I can't imagine there wouldn't be dogs chasing this thing through the house, trying to grab it and rip it down. So I don't know. I I think it'll be interesting. And I don't know if it flies real close to the ceiling. I don't know if it flies, you know, eye level. And God help you if you actually move something in the house, like, oh, we're trying to reorganize this. Oh, I forgot to map it out and it just crashes into stuff. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that on on a home level. For a business, like especially like a big warehouse park where you might have drive around security, great. I can see a lot of use out of that. I cannot personally see the use on a on a commercial level. On a personal level. Or on a personal level. Yeah. Nope, I hear you. 
Yeah, you know, and I'm one of those people. I I will buy almost any kind of new tech I can get my hands on just because I like to play with it. And even I was like, I think it's kind of cool. I can kind of see where they're going with it, but I would have a really hard time justifying this to the other half and be like, we should definitely get one of these because because my my because list on this is just really low. No, I'm sitting over here trying to think of good reasons for home use, and there's only one I can really think of. If you have like a small farm, like not necessarily commercial, but you have maybe a, a lot of space since you have a good garden area outside, you know, maybe you need to check for, I don't know, uh, without having to do the walkthrough. I mean, you're probably going to do the walkthrough anyway. For the most part, it, you're going to need to, but maybe there's something you need to check out. You heard some animals out in the backside of the garden. Send the drone out there. You know, I mean, well, this is indoor. It won't go out. It's not going to go outside. Oh, okay. It's indoor only. That I didn't catch. When it maps the house, it essentially creates boundaries. So even like if your front door is open, it's not going to fly out. Oh, I figured you could also set up like an outdoor map so it's patrolling the outside too. They did not explicitly say that. Whether that's an option or not, I don't know. But that was not explicitly said. Now, the only other thing I could think of, I was sitting here kind of thinking while you were talking, I could see... If you have an elderly parent, grandparent, something like that, you could get something like this and then it would report back to you. So say I got one of these for my grandma, but I tied it to my account so I could have it randomly patrol her house, more or less do a kind of a a home health check kind of deal to make sure everything's okay. She's not falling down somewhere, you know, something bad didn't happen, but then it would it would send the alerts or the pictures or whatever it is, you know, coming back to me. So I could kind of use it to check up on somebody from a distance kind of deal, you know, and, and the fact that they're elderly typically would help with the noise issue as well, I would think, or at least in my grandparents' case. And unless they're tech savvy, the first time you set that thing up, <laughs> I, I'm not saying sneak into their house and set this thing up on the weekend, Jason, I'm just, you know, by all means, let them know. But I'm just I could see this being a plus for that sort of a situation where you'd have to check up on somebody and it didn't have, it wouldn't have to necessarily be elderly. You could use it for your kids and things like that too. You know, if, if for some reason the parents are at work or they're, they're somewhere else and the kids are at home, you could say, you know, go make a, a perimeter search kind of deal. Go, you know, go run around and take a look. You could verify your kids are home. They didn't sneak out to a party, you know, whatever the case may be. I, I could see that, I guess, being a use, but again, it's not stealthy. So like, I'll put stuff away before it gets to them. Right. You know, or they're holding up a blanket in front of their bed or something. You know, I'm not saying you couldn't trick it. Nothing to see here. Nah, I don't know. I'm I'm not sold on it yet. But hey, you know, we'll, we'll see what the future holds. Then again, that's also not the only thing we have, you know, running around the house like robots. I mean, take a look at Roombas. You know, we talked before about, you know, fully autonomous mapping type devices sci-fi has shown us many different irobot levels of of drones around the house i think the big question and a pretty good topic for you know full and discussion today is how close to there are we we have like i said right now we have a roomba here at the house it's the only true autonomous device that we have at the current moment but i don't know how i feel about uh, you know some of the other ones so i'll jump in real quick on that one as you might imagine, we also have a Roomba. We initially had gotten it because I have pretty rough allergies. And in the last 
I don't know, six years or so, they had actually gotten worse. And so we got a Roomba so that we could have it set to run every single day and essentially keep things vacuumed and try to keep the dust down. And at the time we had a cat, so it was it was doing a lot of pet hair pickup. And it actually made a huge difference in my in my allergies. So, you know, we would run that. We, we still have it set to run every single day and it runs for about an hour, hour and 20 minutes or so. And, it, you know, it does its job and then it comes back home. I will say when it comes to automating chores, Jason, bring on the robot overlords because any sort of chores and housework that I can outsource to a robot. Yep, I'm good. Especially if it works even half as well as a Roomba. Well, I was going to say, to be fair, the one we had uh, was not the Roomba brand. To be fair, we actually haven't run that thing in a while either because it can never seem to find the dock. Oh, no. It would always get stuck under stuff. So half the time I was getting up to move it anyway. Now, in spite of the fact that it wasn't a Roomba, we still named him Ronnie because, of course, we did. I, every time I turn on, he would just get stuck on something. We'd pick it up. We'd put it over. It would do a Yui. And go right back to the spot I got stuck and get stuck a second time. That got real annoying real quick. So for me, if that's my standard to go off of, eh. I think that's what's going to make or break a lot of this. Because ours is a name brand Roomba. And on top of that, it at least at the time, it was the it was either the top of the line or the second from the top. I mean, it's it's a 980. So if you look those up, they're actually still selling them. And they're, they're still not cheap. Um, but we paid, I want to say it was like $8.99 or something for this thing. It was not cheap at all. However, it has a camera on top. It does do the actual mapping. It will actually, instead of, like a lot of the more dumb rumors will just slam into things. They just bounce off and the sensor in the front just says, oh, there's something there. It turns and keeps going. With the camera and with a lot of the object detection and stuff that is built into the nicer ones, it slows down before it hits things. And it also will see things and, and work around them. So it doesn't just go back to the same spot. It doesn't just do, it's not nearly as dumb. While I can a hundred percent understand your experience and where you're coming from, I look at it as I think a way more positive experience because of the device I have being that much better. And I think that you can even transition this into some of the, the autonomous driving cars. You know, there's a reason Tesla's at the top of the food chain when it comes to the autonomy for their stuff. You know, whereas if you get into some of the other, you know, car companies that are just starting out or kind of getting their foot in the door, probably don't feel nearly as safe or you don't have, you know, the same trust in the system that you might not in one of the ones that either is either more expensive or more refined, depending on how you're looking at it. To be fair, even they have to drive better than most of these drivers down here in Florida. (laughs) Well, and I think that's and that's even part of it. You know, that's what we're talking about. You know, will this stuff eventually take over? And I saw recently in the news that Tesla is now taking orders for full 100% autonomy, like a, like a driving mode where it'll actually be 100%. And I saw a video just, uh, I think it was yesterday, actually. Uh, they showed a guy sitting in his car at a red light and uh, he had like the full autonomy mode turned on and some guy blew a red light in front of him and the car waited because it saw it coming and it, it did not, you know, it didn't do anything stupid, it did exactly what it should have. And... The guy, you know, was saying like, you know, if I wasn't paying attention, there's a good chance I would have pulled out in front of that gun. I could have got hit. And as as that becomes more and more, more and more the norm, you know, as more and more people have cars or have devices that can do this kind of stuff, I think it's going to make the system as a whole better. The, the problem right now is humans. 
you know, humans are the ones that are making a lot of the errors and a lot of the mistakes. And I'm not saying the technology by any means is flawless or perfect. However, if everybody flipped over overnight, like to having cars that were full autonomous driving, I think that most of our accidents would just go away. Probably. There are certain, you know, I'm not saying out in some of the rural areas or some of the places where the roads are kind of weird, or I'm not saying there's not situations where there still wouldn't be some problems. But as a whole, when the cars are the ones making all of the decisions instead of 50% or, you know, 25%, like you come to a four-way stop and, you know, you're only one out of four people at that, that stop sign having to make a decision, you know, when the cars are suddenly making all those decisions and they can essentially even communicate between them, I think most of those problems go away. And I think to some degree, you know, the Roombas and the other devices in the house are going to be very similar. You know, if they can start to work together, you know, you have a mopping robot, you have a, a vacuum robot, you have a dusting robot, you have, you know, your your um, Amazon drone that's flying around your house. That might be a great way to map out everything and figure out from a bird's eye view. And then if you can pass that down to another device that maybe isn't quite as smart, you know, you've made that device better because of other technology, you know, that that's working in the house. You know, that same ring drone could verify whether somebody's home or not, you know, where your smart door locks could know that somebody had left. Well, maybe that's a good time for the washing machine to start running or that's a good time for the dishwasher to run to make sure things are ready for when you come back home again. You know, so a lot of that working together, I think, could really make this a really great future, assuming we don't enact, you know, the Terminator style kind of deal. I think there's uh, well, I can see some of that. You take a look at things like laundry. You still have to load it. You still have to pull it out. You know, I mean, it's unless you've got, like I said, an iRobot style full on Detroit become human, then you're still going to need that human intervention to do a lot of that anyway. What am I doing? Just setting it to run at a specific time. I'm already here. I could just hit the button. I remember a while back, I was like, ooh, I'm real interested. I wonder if they have like a smart coffee pot. Only to think about it a little more in depth. I go, well, I still got to put the grounds in, fill up the water. I mean, granted, there are some you could have it to autofill, similar to you do uh, an ice maker on a fridge. But you still got to deal with the grounds. You still got to deal with pulling out the filter and cleaning that and everything else. At that point, I can just set it to make the coffee at 630 in the morning. So do I really need a smart one I can control with my phone? No, I, I really don't. You know, dishes, same thing. If we have dishwashers, you still have to load them. You still have to scrape them. Otherwise, the dishwasher is going to do a terrible job of getting those clean. So I, there's still a lot of ways we can go. But when it comes to taking a look at the the mapping side, that also has some, you know, genuine concerns that can come along with that too. Not not going all watchdogs here, but if someone could hack into something that you know has that map stored. Now they have a map outline of the internals of your house. And if everything is wired up, you know, via internet, because you've got the app to control it, could that be a concern for some people? That's always the flip side to the IOT stuff. You know, there's, you were, you were always literally one step away from that deep, dark rabbit hole. And, and that you just, you can't get away with that. So while that's not untrue, and I think that's why you don't necessarily, you don't buy basement bottom kind of devices. Like you don't buy the weird stuff from no names. You buy stuff from companies that in theory, you know, you can trust, you know, they've been around for a little while that ideally 
have some sort of history to prove, you know, or to back up that they aren't, you know, completely useless. That said, anything's hackable, anything's possible. And, you know, at some some point you have to decide what your comfort level is with that. You know, there are people that are totally fine with living in the middle of nowhere with zero technology anywhere. You know, they light a candle at night and they're happy with that. That's great. But the people, the people like me that don't want to have to vacuum or that don't want to have to do wash or dishes or, you know, if I can make myself a little bit better and I can have a justified, justifiable trade-off in security within reason, then that's also worth some advancement to me. You know, we'd still be riding the horses if we weren't willing to take some risks in some place, you know, and you laugh, but like, you know, yeah. it is true to some degree. If people were too afraid to get into a car because it was something that was new and different, we'd still be riding horses. People weren't afraid to get into planes. You know, at some point, if the Hindenburg blew up and that scared everybody off, wouldn't be flying, wouldn't be in space. You know what I mean? Like, so while I'm not saying there is no risk and I'm not saying that it isn't worth something to consider and to be careful of, there's a lot of things you can do yourself within reason to help isolate and to help protect yourself a little bit, you know, and still get the benefits from everything. Now, I will say, uh, and I agree with a lot of that, you know, some of it is just a finding that happy balance between security and convenience. And as someone who works in IT full time, that is always the problem we have to try to think about. Sadly, you know, the biggest component of why things end up being less secure? People. 100%. So kind of to tie it all back around, people are the ultimate cause. Now, if I don't mind having more of an IoT connected house myself because I take the time to implement security measures and, you know, I understand a little better what's going on with that than some people do. But I also know very many people who write their password and put it on the monitor out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And password one, two, three is not a secure password. <laughs> you know, and, and I didn't explicitly upgrade, you know, all my networking stuff. You know, we had discussed that in last week's episodes. So if you want a little bit more information, you can you can check back to that episode. But part of some of the perks of upgrading my network to to be essentially um commercial grade really for lack of a better word lack of a better word nothing that's exactly <laughs> what it is i'm i'm trying to not sound uh you know whatever the, the perks to that while it is more work to maintain and to deal with and set up there is a lot of bonuses that come with that over just getting you know res- regular residential rattle i can set up vlans which essentially sections off my network into different chunks you know so part of my setup is I have an IoT network, both on the Wi-Fi side and also on the actual LAN side. So all my IoT devices are seg- segregated to one section of my network. And then I have firewall rules set up so that they can talk to each other and they can talk to the internet, but they cannot talk to any of the other VLANs in my house. So like my main network that, you know, our, our phones and our, you know, our computer and a couple other things, essentially trusted devices that we ultimately are responsible for, those have their own network and they can do anything, you know, and then we have a security camera network. So again, they can kind of communicate with each other, but nothing else can get to them. So nothing can mess with anything. And I'm not by any means, not by any means saying this is foolproof. And I'm not saying that it's things that can't go wrong or that things can't happen. However, there are, like I said, there are steps and there are ways that you can take, you can, you can take steps forward to make yourself a little bit more secure 
while you're getting all the perks of everything else that you're looking to do. Right. Statistically speaking, the longer it'll take somebody to get in, the less likely they're going to take the time to do it. Even having some security is still better than having no security. You know, if I had to give my idea of the, you know, fully autonomous home, I, I, I'd i say I'm still at about a 60%. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. Uh, some of the stuff I would adopt even right now. Personally, I'm, I'm still looking at playing around with some Raspberry Pi. And just to kind of link stuff up, not necessarily to use it as, you know, a security system or anything like that, but rather just to kind of get a little time to play with it, see what I can do, see what other people have done that they've put plans out for, because that's the kind of stuff I like. I'm not creative enough to be able to come up with the, you know, deep dive plans on how to do this stuff. What I am, however, I'm okay with actually implementing it based off other, you know, the plans that are already out there. And I find enjoyment out of that. At the end of the day, look back like, yeah, I made this, you know, it all syncs up. I've got, you know, might be a temperature thing, might be a camera, it might be whatever. I could go check this out on this, you know, flash tablet that it just, it just works. So I'd probably say personally, I'm about a, a 60 or so percent comfortability with where we're at and where we could go with this. No. And I think that uh, that's what, that's what makes us the nerds and the geeks and the techs and, you know, that's that's the the itch that we all want to scratch, you know, is is exactly what you just described. So, no, I hundred percent agree with you. I think I think you're right on track there. Cautiously optimistic. There you go. But genuinely curious. Be sure to like and subscribe. Never miss an episode. And if you like what we're about, be sure to leave us a five star review wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Well, that's going to wrap up our show for today. Be sure to follow us at Dual Ramblings on Twitter, or for sure notes, check out our website, anchor.fm forward slash Dual Rambling. From all of us here at Dual Ramblings, I'm Steve. And I'm Jason. And as always, ramble on. Ramble on.